Thank you for checking out this podcast from Mountain View Christian Center, a place to connect. Good morning, Mountain View. Wow, that's, I, don't, I don't even have to ask a second time. You guys rocked it that time. That's good. Well, if you have your Bibles, grab them, take them out. Let's hold them up. Repeat after me, if you will. This is the Word of God. It's able to make me wise. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. And this message is for me. All right. You know, I'm still getting used to seeing phones being held up. But I've, I've, I've joined the revolution. I've got the Bible on my phone. But I'm still using this one for, for preaching. But, uh, boy, it's a good day. It's a good day. If you have your Bible, well, those of you that have your Bibles, those of you that don't, they're sitting in the pews. Open to Luke chapter 7. I'm going to pray. And uh, we're going to get into the Word. Father, thank you so much for this great day you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity to be here, to encourage one another, and to, Lord, to be in your presence. Father, I pray that we would glorify you, that we would honor you. And Lord, as we get into your Word, that you would allow that your Word would get into us. Teach us, guide us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We'll be in Luke chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 36. But how many of you here have siblings? You were raised with siblings or maybe cousins or, or close friends. You know if you've got siblings, there's always that one, right? I mean, even if, if you've only got one sibling, it's usually that other one. And maybe some of you sitting here, you are that one. But there's always that, there's always that one that's just a little bit different. In our family, it's my brother, who, by the way, will be the entertainment for the Valentine's banquet. My brother, well, you've heard him before if you were fortunate enough to be here. He, he, he is a minister. He's a fantastic man of God. God has gifted him with a, an interesting sense of humor. But, you know, he planted a church several years ago, and after pastoring it for 12 years, the Lord called him to step out of that into a new role, which involves stand-up comedy. It's all clean. It's all good stuff. He said, you know, he just, he really believes that, that the Lord is speaking to him, that in, in these late, late days, last days, the church is going to need to remember how to laugh. But uh, he's going to be here uh, Saturday night doing some, some comedy for us, and he's, I'm actually going to have him stay over and have him preach next Sunday, so you'll get a double blessing, but come and hear that. But anyway, back to the point. He is that one. I mean, he's, you, you can use the term black sheep if you want. Not that he was, you know, I mean, well, not, not, not that that one is, is always a black sheep, but, you know, I mean, they're just, some, they, they, they march to their own beat. You know, they're just, they're just different. They're just not conventional. And today we're going to look at, as, as we're continuing our, our series on my story, we're going to peel back the layers on one that was that sibling. I put it up on the marquee. She was the twisted sister. She was the wild child. She was the different one. She had a couple of siblings that are fairly popular, Martha 
older sister and a brother named Lazarus who, who was kind of famous for something that happened in his life. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But there's just some people, you know, they just, they, they can be raised up in the same house. They just think differently. They just come to things differently. They just, they just we'll see what happens with her. So in your Bibles, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. And, and what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to start at the end, go back to the beginning and come back to the end. Right? Because although in Luke's account, this is the first time that we see Mary, this is really the last thing that we read about her in Scripture. Okay, so starting at the end, working our way back. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man really were a prophet... He would know who's touching him, what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them do you think will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. We're going to stop right there for a moment. I want to, I want to unpack a few things for you. I told you we're going to be peeling back the layers on some of these people that we talk about. This is one of a few accounts, one of the few stories in the Bible that is in all four gospel accounts. This this scenario where Jesus was anointed by a sinful woman, had oil poured on him and had his feet washed with tears and, his, and, and dried with her hair. This is one of four. And so if you want to have a bigger picture, have a bigger idea of everything that's going on here, you need to look at all four of them because there's things that's left out in Luke that we find out about in, in Matthew and Mark and John. One of the things I want you to know is that Lazarus was there. Her brother, Lazarus, was at the table that day. This is after he has been raised from the dead. He's sitting at the table, and John also tells us that Martha was there, but she was serving. It's interesting. Mary's life was such that she was, you know, Simon the Pharisee, the guy that owned the house, said, well, she's a, she's a sinner. She's a sinful woman. She was not invited to the party. Lazarus was invited to dinner. Mary was invited to come over and to serve, but Mary was not invited even to come. She was that bad. You look in Matthew and Mark, we find out that the guy that threw the party, whose name is Simon, had actually been a leper. And he had leprosy. 
Why is that so important? Well, I'll tell you why it's so important. Obviously, he doesn't have leprosy anymore. If he had leprosy at this time, he couldn't have had anybody over to his home. In fact, he couldn't have lived in his home. He would have had to live in a leper colony. He, had, he would have had to been separated from the rest of society. We're told that he's a Pharisee. He's one of the most religious of the religious, but he had been a leper Something had happened in his life. Somehow he had been healed of his leprosy so that he could now entertain people. You know what else lepers couldn't do besides being in the general population? They couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't go to the synagogue. They couldn't go to the places of worship. They could not enter into the Lord's presence because they had leprosy, because they were not physically fine. But now that he's been healed, all that's behind him. I don't know about you, but it seems just a little, I don't know, just a little bit strange or a little bit hypocritical that somebody, because of the way that their body was, that was not able to go to the temple or the synagogue, that wasn't able to join into worship, now is looking down their nose on somebody else that can't go. Somebody else that's an outcast. You would think being an outcast would give you some kind of an empathy for other outcasts. But not this guy. Because you know what? His was just physical. His wasn't a matter of choice. She's a bad girl because she wants to be a bad girl. But he, he was just... He was just cursed with lepers. We don't even know how he was healed. I speculate. This is just speculation. Don't, this is not doctrine. This is not theology. This is just me kind of connecting some dots and going, wow, wouldn't that be weird? There's a, there's a time in Jesus' ministry where he's walking along and there are 10 lepers hanging out together away from society and they holler out to him and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And he goes over and he heals them. And he tells him, he says, hey, go show yourself to the priest. You'll be fine. Go show yourself to the priest. And it says that on the way, they discovered that their leprosy was gone. They were healed. And out of that 10, only one turned around come back and say thank you. And I don't, I'm just wondering, was Simon one of those 10? Was he one of the nine that didn't bother to go back and say thank you? He just, oh, hey, cool, I'm clean. You know, sometimes we forget where we've come from. Sometimes we can be cleaned up, dressed up. We can get a little bit of knowledge behind us, get a little bit of seat time in the pews, and we have a tendency to forget where it is that we came from. And then when we see somebody else come in, maybe that we've got history with, we look at them we're like, well, I'm glad they're here. They really need to hear this message, but don't sit too close to me. You know what I'm talking about? We can, get, we can get pretty religious after a while. So here's this guy that he was an outcast, but he doesn't even have empathy for any other outcast. If you were to look in Matthew and, and uh, well, most of the accounts say this, but Matthew highlights, says that when she broke that bottle of perfume and poured it over his feet, you know, that, over his body, they realized that was expensive. That was worth a year's wages. That's an awful lot of money in a bottle of perfume. I don't care how much you're making. If it's an entire year's worth of wages, that's a lot of money. 
And people started complaining about the waste. She's wasting this. She's pouring this perfume over Jesus. Oh my goodness, this perfume could have been sold for a year's worth of wages and and the money given to the poor. The ones that were complaining the loudest were the disciples. Those are 12 guys that Jesus had handpicked. And they are focused on the money and not on the person. They're focused on the amount and not on the sacrifice. How easy is that for us to get religious like that? So that's what I'll... You don't know how many times I, I hear people complaining about when churches go through a remodel, they build a big building, boy, couldn't they be using their money in a better... And it's usually the ones that aren't even given to that church. They don't even go to that church, but they see that, well, you put fresh paint on and new windows and got some good decoration. Well, that's, well, that's a waste. I can't... They should be using that money to feed the poor and, and educate kids and blah, 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 but they're not giving nothing. The most expensive building ever built was the temple. I guess we're walking through the desert. God commanded him to build a tent that was worth millions of dollars. I don't know how many Philistines they went past and went, what a waste. Look at that. They could have been using that. They could have used all that money to help rebuild Egypt that they just came out of. They're so caught up in the Money aspect, they can't see the sacrifice. And it was the disciples that were screaming the loudest. We learn also that this was just a week before Jesus' death. This is six days before the Passover. This is the last week of Jesus' life. Of course, nobody knows that but him. And in Matthew and Mark, we learn that this was the point This was the straw that broke the camel's back. This is the time that Judas decided, I'm going to betray him. It says that he went out from there and sought out the priests to see what they would give him to betray Jesus. Are you seeing a different aspect of this story yet? Maybe a little bit different aspect of of this young lady that come and make this sacrifice. Now we we can back up a little bit. If you go to Luke chapter 10, it sounds funny to say back up, but go forward. But Luke chapter 10, you need to know that before she came to pour oil on him, she sat at his feet listening to what he had to say. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 39. Let's go to verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one is needed. Mary has chosen that. She's chosen what's better, and it it will not be taken away from her. Well, now, let's, now that we know what kind of a woman Mary was, she was a sinful woman. She had a bad past. Well, in fact, at this point, it wasn't her past. This was her present. Now, Martha's the good sister. 
She's the diligent one. She's the hardworking one. She's the one probably that initiated the relationship with Jesus. Somehow he had a relationship with her and, and Lazarus. They were good friends. Perhaps she had, had begun supporting him or whatever, but she invited him over to the house, and, and she's busy making all the preparations. We could, we could talk about Martha quite a bit because a lot of people need to know about Martha, need to know she had a time she had come to the Lord. But right now we're looking at, at Mary, this sinful woman who is in the house with Martha. And Martha's saying, Jesus, I got all this stuff to do. You know, I mean, we're trying to make lunch. We're trying to get things cleaned up. We're trying to get things set so that we can serve you and whatnot. And my sister, my sister, the black sheep, she's just sitting there at your feet. She's just sitting there listening to what you have to say. My sister's not busy in the kitchen helping me. My sister, who, by the way, has a spotted background, Lord, she's sitting right at your feet. Isn't it strange how we can... We can be in the world, not of the world. We can be in the world. And, we, and we've got relationship with people that so desperately need Jesus. But we get so caught up trying to get them busy doing stuff that they never have the chance to just sit at the feet of the one who can save them. We get so caught up in all of our programs and all of our classes and all of our different stuff, and you got to come and do this and come and do that. And, and you know what? Some, some people just need to sit at the feet of Jesus. And too many times we're like Martha, and we're getting really distracting. We're really distracted, and then we start getting distracting. Lord, she ain't making a decision yet. She might as well be doing something while she's doing nothing. Might as well get her up, make some sandwiches. All the disciples being men are going, yeah, make a sandwich. Martha recognized who Jesus was. She fell in love. She, she had a relationship with him. She, she realized he was a son of God and that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Mary didn't get it. Not everybody comes to the Lord the first time they hear Him. Not everybody comes to the Lord the first time they hear about Him, the first time they sit in His presence. Anybody hear that it took you more than once, hearing that Jesus loves you, that He died for you before you said, hey, okay, the light came on? It's taken Mary a while. She wasn't going to just... Drop everything. Let me see what this guy has to say. Let me listen to him for a little bit. What I'm about to say again is, is speculation. The Bible doesn't tell us anything other than Mary had a sister named Martha and a brother named Lazarus. Doesn't tell us anything more than she was a sinful woman. She did bad things. Doesn't tell us why. Doesn't tell us how. We're not, there is no mention in the Bible about her mom and her dad. We can speculate that they were dead. They're not in the picture. There's a, 
let me, let me just say this. There's a really good chance that Mary had issues with men. Here's my speculation. Dad died young. Dad died early. He's out of the picture. Mom probably died shortly thereafter. Maybe they died at the same time. But for whatever reason, she did not have dad in the picture. She didn't get the love and the nurturing that she needed from her father. And and before you start thinking this is all about just women, you know what? Men have issues too. Okay? But we're talking about Mary. And, you know, today there's so many women that are caught up in stuff that they shouldn't be caught up in because they're missing a father figure. Because they're not getting what they need from a man. And so they'll bounce from relationship to Men do it too, bounce from relationship to relationship. She had an, had an older brother, but brothers are different than dads and brothers are different than lovers. And she was looking for love. She was looking in all the wrong places, but she was looking for love. You know, and, and, and speculation. She had a boyfriend. Maybe they went a little too far one night, and he decided he got what he wanted, so he didn't want her anymore. Why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free? She didn't have any marketable skills, but she had a body. Maybe she decided that's, maybe that's when she decided, hey, at least I feel something. At least somebody wants me for a little bit. And i got to support myself somehow. And so she began this downward spiral of being a sinful woman. And every man that she had talked to before simply objectified her. She was just a means to an end. She was just a piece of meat. She was just... But she met this guy named Jesus. She was introduced to him. And there's something different about him. He wasn't trying to make any backroom deals with her. There was something different about the way that he looked at her. There was a purity in his eyes and a passion in his voice. And he didn't treat her any differently than he treated Martha. And he didn't treat her any less special than he treated anybody else. Of course, it hadn't come up in conversation what she was like, but she could hear all the men whispering. And yet there's something different about this Jesus But she wasn't quick to jump on board because she'd made mistakes before jumping on board too soon with the guy. I promise her the world and leave her with just a mess. And so this day she chose just to sit at his feet. I'm going to see what he has to say because some of the things that he's saying, my goodness, they sound so good. And she just sat at his feet and listened. She just took it in. She didn't make any decisions then. She didn't say, hey, I'm going to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Hey, I believe that you're the son of God. She didn't, believe, she didn't say any of that. She just said, I'm going to sit here and listen because I like what you're saying and I've got a sense of peace. There's something about being in the Lord's presence. She was getting it. Let's move to John chapter 11. See how her faith kind of progressed.
John chapter 11 is where we find out that Lazarus gets sick. This is Lazarus. This is the brother of Mary and Martha. He got sick. To bring you up to speed, they had sent word to Jesus. They knew that he did miracles. They sent word to him. He wasn't very far away. Hey, the one you love is sick, expecting Jesus to come and and heal him. When he heard it, and he was just, he was very close, he didn't go. In fact, the Bible says because he loved him, he didn't go. Think about that. Just put that back in your memory bank. Because he loved him, he didn't go. Sometimes the Lord's not going to answer your prayers because he loves you. He's not going to give you the things you're asking for because he loves you. He's not going to intervene in the situations in your life because he loves you. And you got to get, get a hold of that. Come to grips with Jesus loves you. That's why he does the things that he does. But when he heard about it, he didn't go because he loved Lazarus. In fact, he told his disciples, this isn't going to end in death. A little while later, he gets word that Lazarus died. He says, hey, let's, let's go because uh, Lazarus is sleeping. And they say, hey, if he's sleeping, he's going to get better. He says, look, I'm... I'm not talking like taking a nap sleeping. He's, he's, he's dirt sleeping. He's dead. Lazarus died, but we got to go now. And, and the disciples are going, man, last time we were there, they wanted to stone him. A couple of them are like, hey, yeah, let's go. Well, I mean, I'm ready for a good rumble. The rest are like, oh, yeah, okay. So anyway, they, they end up going. Now let's jump down to verse 17. John chapter 11, verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, and Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. So he was not very far away, but he'd been dead for four days. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. You see, there's a difference in the relationship right there. Martha sold out to Jesus. Martha loves the Lord. She hears that Jesus is there. She gets up and goes. Mary, she's hurt. I listened to that guy. I actually like that guy. But my brother's been dead for four days, and he was just two miles away. That guy hurt me. I don't want to go out and talk to him. Martha, you go. I'm, no, I'm staying here. Sometimes we get hurt in church. Or we get hurt by church people. And it affects our whole view of things. You ever talk to somebody who's been hurt in church or hurt by a church person? Man, that messes. I hate that. That messes with people so bad. I've done so much apologizing for church people, it makes me sick. I've apologized for pastors I've never met because they've just done dumb things. I'm not saying I always do great things. I'm not saying that I don't ever do dumb things. That's part of the reason Deb won't let me jump a quad through a, through a big pinata this year, healing up from some dumb things. But, man, people get hurt. What, what, what was that? Somebody said something. Amen. Oh, yeah. Larry, I feel like I need to lay hands on you, my brother. <laughs> Whoops, there's another dumb thing I just said, huh? But people get hurt in church and they project that. They get hurt by a religious person and they project that and all of a sudden they don't want anything to do with it. If that's what being a Christian is all about, I don't want nothing to do with it. If that's what Jesus is all about, I don't want nothing to do with him. Jesus, come, my brother's dead. Big deal. You go see your Jesus. I'm staying here. 
Martha runs out. Her relationship was different. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. See, her faith wasn't shaken. So Jesus, yeah, I'm a little bummed. I know that if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But, but don't worry, I still believe. That's big, you know, when we, can, when we can have things fall apart and still say, Lord, I still believe. Then we know we're living, hey, Jesus loves me. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said, I am. I am. A little Jehovistic revelation. I am. How did God introduce himself to Moses? I am. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Great declaration of faith. After she had said this, she went back and called Mary. The teacher's here and he's asking for you. Well, how do you get out of that? Put yourself in Mary's place. Man, I'm not happy with Jesus. He let my brother die. I'm happy to stay here in my pity party. You don't care that much about me. Anyways, I'm still living a bad life. I still, got, I still got a bad attitude, and I got work to do later tonight, and I'm just going to stay right here. Jesus said to Martha, hey, go get your sister. I want to talk to her. Martha said, hey, the teacher's here. He wants to see you. <clears throat> Verse 29, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her saw how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She got some attitude in her voice because she is not happy. She is hurt. And I'm not, you know, some of you kind of looking at it with a smile on your face. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not trying to be funny. She was hurt. She was not happy with Jesus. And she wasn't afraid to let him know. If you would have been here, you say you care. You, you, you loved him. We told you a week ago that he was sick. You've been two miles down the road. Every time you come to town, he feeds you and, and puts you up in his house and he takes care. He's done all this stuff. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But my brother is dead. So now what? Here I am. Now what? I love the way Jesus responds. You see how he responds? He didn't say anything. He just looked at her with those eyes. The first thing out of his mouth was this. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Not necessarily Mary, they replied. And they got there, and verse 35 
It says, Jesus wept. Jesus is standing there at this, at this crowd of people standing around a dead man's tomb who's all crying, and Mary is standing by him, and she is crying, and she is hurt, and she is broken up. And Jesus is standing there, and he knows he's about to call Lazarus out of the tomb. So believe me, Jesus isn't crying that Lazarus was dead because that wasn't going to last. Jesus is crying because the young lady that's standing next to him doesn't get it. Jesus is crying because everybody that's standing around saying, you know what, he opened the eyes of a blind man, he made a deaf man here, couldn't he have healed this man? They just don't get it. All they see is the surface stuff, and they don't get it. And Jesus wept because he's got a dead lady walking next to him. Now don't misunderstand me, Jesus loved her dearly, desperately. He was patient with her, and Jesus is never going to force anybody to come to him quickly. Think about it. Reason it out. Come and reason together, the Lord says. Make an informed decision. You know, some people come to the Lord all emotional. And some people take a while. And I've, I've had the privilege to pray with, with both. And I'll tell you what, from a pastor's perspective, I, I mean, they're both, they're both exciting. It's fun to see somebody just, it, lights come on and they get it. And, whoa, they're crying and weeping and they're at the altar just shaking and what. But it's also so exciting to me when I have the opportunity to love on somebody for weeks, months, maybe years. And you see a little bit chip away here, a little bit chip away there. You have lots of discussions. They finally, they finally come to the Lord. I'll tell you, I've, I've told plenty of people. I've, I've had altar calls. I've told plenty of people, look, let me tell you something. Standing here and asking Jesus into your heart is not going to change your situation. You're still going to have problems. All right? It's just that you're going to have somebody in your corner. You're not going to be alone. Jesus is going to be with you. I've told people, so look, I'm not trying to talk you out of getting saved, but I just want you to know what, you, what you're doing is surrendering. You're making Jesus the boss. If you're not ready to make him the boss, then don't waste his time up here at this altar. I just want you to make an informed decision. One of my favorite, one of my, my secretary's husband up in Toledo, he wasn't a believer. But he become a really nice guy. And, and we hit it off. He's a hot rodder. He builds engines and stuff. So we hit it off. And, and, and I really like So we started going out to lunch. And we'd just sit there and we'd talk. We'd talk about the Lord. We'd talk about different stuff. And he'd bring a list of questions. And I'd answer them best I could. And we'd just have a good time. We'd do this about, oh, once a month. Every three to five weeks. And uh, he'd started coming to church and he'd sit there, but he's not, he's not getting involved. He's just kind of taking it in. And this went on for several months. And he came down one day to, I don't know, take his wife out to lunch or something. And I said, hey, Sean, come here. So he comes back into my office. I said, we haven't had lunch in a while. No, no, we haven't. I said, well, we need to go do that. I said, I gotta, I gotta hit you again. We had a close enough relationship. I told, I told him ahead of time. So I'm after your soul. So whatever. I said, I gotta hit you up again. I gotta start. I gotta ask you again where you're at. He goes, Yeah, yeah, you need to. You haven't done that for a while. And he stops. He looks at me. He says, I could tell. I can give you a heads up right now. I can tell you. I said, Oh, okay. Well, where are you at? He says, I bought in. I said, You what? He says, I bought in. I said, you did? He said, yeah, hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> he says, I'm in. I said, when that happens, he said, 
Oh, about two weeks ago. Serious? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. He never came down to the altar. Weird. He got saved standing, sitting in a pew. Well, it was a chair. He never came down and was crying at the altar. But God was doing something on his heart. Hook, line, and sinker. He is still serving the Lord full force today. In fact, our very first Sunday here, he came and visited. He came up front when we had a time of prayer. He came up front and he looked at me, he smiled, got a tear in his eye. He said, I'm not here for you to pray for me. He said, I just want to pray for you. He prayed, God, use them to bless the people of Ridgefield just like they blessed me. He's a man on fire. Thomas, well, don't stop there. Start seeking, start seeking God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm doing it. I'm on his like a week later. He says, hey, got it. <laughs> really? When? Oh, about a week ago. <laughs> well, keep it up. Oh, I am. Man, he's, he's leading worship. They're going to a big church up in Chehalis. He's leading worship up there and, and just, just involved. But he didn't come to the Lord right away. Mary didn't come to the Lord right away. She just, she's just taking her old sweet time, and now she's mad at Jesus because he didn't heal her brother. And Jesus wept because she's standing there just not getting it. And then, of course, Lazarus, come here. Lazarus gets up, comes out, and he says, hey, untie him, let him go, and Gives them to his sisters. It's a pretty big celebration when your brother's been dead for four days, comes back, he doesn't even stink. Pretty good celebration. So I know there was days that my brother, he wasn't dead, but he smelled like it. <laughs> it was a good celebration when he'd take a shower, so. You see, Jesus came to do something different in her life. And at that point, she saw that he came to give and not to take. To restore what had been taken away from her. Now let's go back to where we started, back in Luke chapter 7. Take up that story. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman. And he said, Simon, do you see this woman? Oh, that's a good question. Do you see? Because you know what Simon saw? Simon saw her reputation. Simon saw her past. Jesus said, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't pour oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins. Nobody told Jesus that she had committed a lot of sin. Jesus knew. He said, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. 
Not because she was pouring oil on him, not because she was kissing his feet, because she came to a realization of who he was and surrendered herself to him. I'll tell you what, the, the, the perfume on his head and the, and the tears on his feet and, 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 and whatnot, that wasn't the cause, that was the result. That wasn't what got her saved, that was the result of her being saved of her being in this relationship after her brother had died and come back to life after she thought about everything that Jesus had said and how he had treated her and loved on her. Something clicked, and this was her response. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Her many sins are gone. And he told her in one account, your sins are forgiven. You, you can go. You see, she cried at Lazarus' tomb, but she cried tears of mourning, tears of loss. She wept at Jesus' feet, but I guarantee you these were different tears. These were not tears of mourning. These weren't tears of loss. These were tears of joy, the tears that a, that a wife cries when her husband comes home from war. These were tears of relief that a parent cries when their child comes out of surgery or comes home from war alive. She was crying. She, was, she, was, she wasn't upset. She was just in awe. And Jesus said her sins have been forgiven. So I said before, her brother was there, her sister was there, she wasn't even invited. Everybody that was there knew her, knew her reputation, perhaps some had abused her. But she was able to walk past all of them with confidence. Why? Because she had her eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus was a friend to her before she let him be her savior. Before he got the privilege of being her savior, he was her friend. We've all got people in our lives that need a friend that can lead them to the savior. Let's not put the horse, I mean, the cart ahead of the horse. Let's not try to rush things. Let's not give up on them. If they don't come to the Lord right away, Keep plugging away. Keep loving him. Keep demonstrating his love. Mary represents those who seem to be too bad for religion or too bad for faith. She represents those who are caught in a downward spiral, resigned to a dead-end life. And to those, Jesus says, let me put an end to that dead life and give you a true life. Life worth living. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for Mary, Lord, for what you did in her life. I thank you for the patience that you demonstrated with her, and the love and the constant, consistent compassion. Lord, you're still winning people the same way today. Perhaps there are those here this morning that you've heard the gospel message a lot of times. You've heard Jesus loves you, but you just haven't let it grab hold of your heart. 
You just haven't been ready to, to release it. Maybe you're nursing some hurts, you're nursing some grudges, you're, you're frustrated or you're discouraged, or you just you don't think you know enough or you're not good enough. Mary dealt with all those and came to the realization that Jesus loved her anyway. The same Jesus that loved Mary, the same Jesus that had so much compassion on her, wants to have compassion and grace on you. I'm just going to say this morning, if you find yourself like Mary, whether you're a man or a woman, you find yourself in a position like that, and, and today you'd say, hey, pastor, I want to put the past in the past, and I want, to, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. You don't even have to understand all that that means. It just, you just, there's something, you just want to have a relationship with Jesus and get on with serving him. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you today. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? Bible tells us that the angels rejoice when even one sinner, thank you, comes home. There's some rejoicing going on this morning. For those of you that aren't ready to make a decision, I'm not going to push or prod you. I'm just going to encourage you. Jesus loves you and keep, keep drawing near to him. Don't be too discouraged by what you've seen in the past and different people that have not had a lackluster demonstration of who Jesus is. Get to know the real Jesus. And for those of you that know Jesus already, you're serving him, and you got friends you've been witnessing to, maybe you've been getting frustrated, you've been getting discouraged because they just haven't bought in. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep on loving them. Keep on being there. We're going to stand and pray, and then we're going to get ready for communion, but don't give up. Would you stand with me now as we pray? Lord, I thank you this morning for, first of all, those who raised their hands saying, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. Lord, whether they fully comprehend what all that means, I don't know how long they've been sitting thinking about it, but Lord, today is their day. So I pray, Jesus, right now that you would come and you'd wash away the sin. You'd wash away the hurt. You'd wash away the past. Lord, that they would hear you saying to them, even as you said to Mary, your sins are gone. You've been forgiven. And Lord, that from this day forth, they would walk with you. Lord, they would grow in you. Lord, that they would know you as never before. And Lord, I pray that they would end up being a, a force to be reckoned with for you. Father, I pray for those that may be here that are they're just not ready. Lord, we don't want to push. We want to see them come to you, but Lord, we want you to do the work. So would you continue to speak to them and encourage them? And Jesus, for those that know you are serving you, and Lord, they've been, they've been out there witnessing, maybe they're growing tired. Would you, would you breathe new life? Would you breathe encouragement? Would you breathe strength? into them. Lord, that they might endure and see their friends, their family members come to know you. Lord, that same love, that same passion that you display in your life be displayed through them. We'll be quick to give you all the thanks and the praise in Jesus' name. For more information, you can find us online at www.mountainviewchristiancenter.net.